1: Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown.
0: And I'm James Borth, and we
1: are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent.
0: We do work for clients and not companies. To receive your complimentary and personalized financial income plan, give us a call, 513-575-9654. If you're seeking advice on an old 401k, 403b, some type of employer-sponsored plan, even an NUA analysis, all those things we can help. And also, as a rule, if you're no longer with the company, your money should not be there either. So we can help you roll that out, take control of it, tax-neutral IRA, 513-575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence.
1: And Greg, what's our topic for today? Well, just... uh... Hey, how about when do you know it's time to call it quits? That is determining when you should actually quit and retire. Quit working, lay down your sword, and transition into that, that wonderful phase of life called retirement, right? Understanding the key factors to consider before you choose your retirement date when it, it's t- it comes time to call it quits. Now, today, you know, this topic, it, it revolves around the burning question that pre-retirees are constantly Asking themselves, you probably have asked yourself this many times, when should I retire? The question, it requires some thoughts and preparation, some deeper planning. But when people think about retirement, it brings forth a lot of emotions, right? It could be excitement. It could be anxiety, nervousness. The opposite of of faith is fear. You might have to have faith in your what? Your plan. We got to get a plan. You name it. The list continues. What are the emotional aspects of retirement? Versus the practical, factual, the truths about being prepared to retire. When you start thinking about saying goodbye to a paycheck, uh, that's a pretty big step. You've been receiving a paycheck biweekly or monthly all your working years. It's always been like the checks in the mail. It's there. You can rely upon it. But when you start to think about it going away, that could leave a pit in your stomach and some doubts in your mind. So it seems retirement, it may not be quite as carefree as it once was. And there's a variety of reasons for that. You might be experiencing declining health or cash flow and income needs. You know, you just don't have enough cash flow as it is. Can you imagine how cash flow will be when you retire? Changes in the economy, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, it's always changing. And your plan needs to be flexible enough to, to uh, embrace and succeed through navigating through those, those changes in the overall economy, macro, micro, whatever you want to call it, local. But there's a lot of factors that can play some a large role in either the trepidation you feel or the reality about your retirement and the preparedness of that. So to help you reduce or eliminate these concerns, we're going to help you with it's the big picture of things to consider, when to call it quits, how to determine when you should retire. And that's what we're going to begin with. And James, some, some thoughts or key thoughts before we, we jump in.
0: Oh, yes. Well, let's just go right into the thought-provoking questions that tie into today's show. So what factors should we consider before retiring. And sometimes it is the collective we, not just the me. And what happens if I retire? Once again, if one of us retires before age 65 and need health insurance, need healthcare. So the two big factors, health and wealth. Health, yes, that's a big one, especially if you're not quite to the age of 65, which is the world of Medicare. And if you're looking to help transition, not only for yourself, but perhaps for the spouse who needs insurance coverage, Those are factors that need to be considered, again, before you pull the plug. Now, another one is, should I continue to work past the full retirement age? Well, that's another one for you. What is full retirement age when it comes to drawing Social Security benefits? At what age, not only on the benefits for the individual, but all the collective benefits that might be available. That means individual retirement benefits. That means spousal benefits. That perhaps for some people means Family benefits. There's so many different planning options that go into Social Security that you need to account for that as part of your plan. And, yes, we meet people once in a while who say, well, if Social Security is still there when I actually retire, it'll be just a bonus. I'm not going to count on it. Well, that's just leaving a 20 percent gaping hole in a particular plan or budget, which does not really sound like a good plan or budget. So keep that in mind when you just want to pretend that Social Security does not exist. How about transitioning from making contributions to the retirement accounts or to my investment accounts, depends upon your perspective here, to then taking distributions from those accounts? So once again, we're talking about the transition from the accumulation phase to hopefully some type of preservation and then distribution phase of your investments, which, again, also transition to those retirement accounts. Is there a specific rule of thumb? Yes, there's more than one rule of thumb. It's like which one or which ones maybe should I use when referring to see if my nest egg is large enough to actually afford to retire. What type of debt is acceptable? Is there such a thing as having good debt versus bad debt when it comes to retirement? Yes, the answer absolutely is yes. There is good debt. There is also bad debt. And if I'm married, how should I determine when? like me myself and irene me myself and my spouse should be drawing these benefits and again maximizing how you get whatever is yours out of the program remember this these are your benefits and if you don't maximize your benefits you're just simply leaving them behind because by and large there is no beneficiary to the social security program it just simply goes back into the program when it comes to medicare How much will it cover in the world of medical expenses in retirement? We know it doesn't cover all the expenses, but how much of a gap is there between what Medicare covers versus what otherwise I have to cover or we have to cover? And then finally, how do you know where to allocate your your life savings, your NASDAQ, when you retire? That is to say, should I keep it in the old 401k plan, the 403b? Should I do a rollover? Should I look at doing an annuity analysis before I do that faithful rollover? All those different things and more. We can help. Greg, what's next?
1: Well, you just you uh, for those different thought-provoking questions it provoke the thought. When you're talking about benefits like Social Security, you mentioned family benefits, and that's a that's probably an underutilized and not as often used benefit, but is fairly profound if you think about it. I mean, let's just say, for example, if I were 55 years of age and I had A baby, we welcomed a baby, adopted step, you know, organic, I don't know what you call our own. Um, But 12 years from now, I'd be full retirement age at 67. 12 years from now, that newborn would be 12. And how many years would I be able to take a social security check for that child till their age of majority? And any other children under age 18 in the home would continue to get individual. Family benefits, social security checks for my social security account. It can add up. We've known some exceptions out there where there were several checks coming in for the, the second family, the, the young ones, where the fellow in this case was full retirement, turned on the social security benefits. In one case, continued working. The other one didn't. But nonetheless, there were multiple social security benefit checks coming into the household. They had no idea about, but we were able to help them and direct them to find, they yeah, found money, if you will. There's always something out there that's fun to find together. And um, so just out of your thought provoking questions, uh, that hit me as something just to throw out there and think about. Now we know this picking or selecting of your retirement date, it can be difficult. You feel like you're playing pin the tail of the donkey sometimes. is um, subject to um, many people continuing to stress over the concept of it, and that's understandable. Uh, Because you want to take it easy when you make these important decisions, like make sure you make the right decision, because like retirement doesn't come with do-overs, the the cliche goes.
0: Now, to be fair, we are being optimistic here. We are optimistic in the standpoint of this is where you get to select what your retirement date is versus the employer selects for you what your retirement date is. So we're staying on the optimistic side of the spectrum here to say you are still in
1: control of making these decisions. You might say voluntary versus involuntary lack of ongoing employment. Let's we'll stick with voluntary, all optimistic here. and But pre- having a plan helps you prepare, though, James, when life throws you a curveball, and something like an involuntary separation from employment hits. Where do you go? What's the next step? How do you stay on track for your plan to still reach your retirement objectives? If you're out there and you're finding yourself adrift and in, in between, give us a call. We can help. Uh, if you're a p and employee or Kellogg or Cincinnati Bell or any large company that does occasional buyouts or downsizing, and you're left with a package or some decisions, we can help with all of those those decisions that you'll make. So, you know, in the end, we want you to have that consistent paycheck, uh, similar to when you're working. We don't want it to stop just because you're retired. We want your investments to send you the money you need from your nest egg for your monthly cash flow. And your mindset and investing decisions well, they're likely to change when you retire, but we want to change for the better, the happier, and successfully at that, too.
0: Our phone number at the office is 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to The Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here
1: on 55KRC Detox Station.
0: LLC. Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted.
1: Welcome back to the Sound Mini Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown.
0: And I'm James Borth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email Team at brownfinancialadvisors.com and our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester,
1: and Florence. And Greg, what we live off? Well, the, the topic today when to call it quits, determining when you should actually retire. And we left off with the, the mindset you know, the mindset of accumulation versus the mindset and in investing decisions that need to begin to change once you retire in the distribution and preservation phase. So, James, that's where we left off. and. Um, take us take us further into the disconnect that happens. Well, sometimes the disconnect is because people invest whether
0: they are invested because that's just how they've always invested. I know it, it sounds kind of like you're going in a circle here, but nevertheless, if you have, for example, all of your investments or all of your assets at investment risk, that's just to say equities risk. So you're maybe too aggressively invested in the market. Now, For some clients, that is perfectly fine if that's what their allocation, their risk tolerance is for market risk. But not everyone wants to be 100% fully at stock market equities risk. So if you're not properly allocated to your risk profile, that's a problem. So sometimes when, when people come in, it's like they're invested the way that they are because that's how they've been invested during all those working years. And they don't make that transition to changing their profile, their risk profile in retirement. Then we have people on the opposite side of the spectrum who maybe they are a little bit more conservative in their mindset. And then they've also been utilizing things like either bonds or annuities. For example, fixed index annuities as a bond replacement strategy. But then they duplicate that conservativeness with their market strategies so they've actually gone the other side and they've gotten too conservative. So once again, they don't have proper balance in their investments, in their portfolios. And that's, that's what we find is that they're not allocated the way that they should be as far as having balance in their portfolios, having plans for current income, still also having opportunities for future growth. So that's, that's what we see as a mismatch oftentimes with these prospective clients as they
1: come in. Yeah, I was just thinking about um, just the almost the the deer in the headlight look when someone feels like they're just grossly underprepared for retirement and then how the pressure is lifted once they see that the right allocation, the proper positioning of their assets uh, and doing things differently than they had done before, James, just like you said, where they're they're resistant to change. Well, the changes are for the better and they project well and they can just they can make all the difference in the world. And uh, it's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too early either, of course. Uh, so keep that in mind. Now, understanding it's still going to be a bit scary, and yet it's exciting to think about it all. And if you've been like us, you've been working since your teens or your 20s, then you're accustomed to getting up and going to work, right? So now that you see retirement on the horizon, it brings some new emotions out as well, since you know you've not been retired before. But it's our job to help you in that area, too, to be more confident in the decision to retire when it comes. And uh, because we believe you can can do it with proper planning before. So if you're five to 10 years away from retirement, take the opportunity now. Put yourself as a priority to get yourself on the schedule for you and with us to assess where you are, to put together a draft plan. uh, Look carefully at the current investments, the investment buckets or monies and funds you have available to project forward for your retirement. And the projection of the remaining years that you continue to work, how much in contribution or matches or private investments and contributions you can make into your IRAs or Roths and bringing that all together and starting to entertain more of a budget. But all that aside, if you've already, if you've retired and you don't have a plan, come get a plan. Make sure that your longevity curve with your money is friendly and not faux. In other words, don't outlive your money. It's still the right time to address this and put together a plan. So, and you ever heard that, that old cliche, better late than never? Hope we believe it to absolutely be true for planning for retirement.
0: All right. So let's actually get to the nuts of, and the bolts of the questions, which is, can I afford to retire? And yes, that is one of the, the most common questions that we get when people come to see us. And maybe it's, they're looking at a test run of, well, Am I financially ready to retire? Am I emotionally ready to retire? And again, with the health, am I healthy enough re- to retire? I know this sounds odd to say it that way, but this is especially true for those who have not maybe had sufficient, I'd say, opportunities for health insurance outside of their employer plan. And they're looking at, well, how do I bridge the gap between there and Medicare? Because once you've gotten to Medicare, it seems like, well, the insurance gets a whole lot better. And that's partly because it's a whole lot more subsidized by the government. So, yes, that's why it's better. Now, when it comes to the Medicare insurance planning options, here's the good and also the bad. You have lots of choices. That's the good, right? Mm -hmm. What's the bad? You have lots of choices. Confusion. So there are times when people come in, they're like, how do I even decide what type of Medicare plan to get? Because there's so many different choices. Well, that's one of the things that. Here at Brown Financial Advisors, we can help you with, not only with your investments, but also with the health insurance decisions. That means for Medicare, is Medicare supplement the right type of insurance or is Medicare Advantage? And then, you know, every single year when it comes to the buying options again, should I look for a different plan or should I stay where I am? All those different things we can help with. So when it comes to Medicare insurance, yes, we can help. Call us, we can help. Now, other variables that go into planning for retirement, think about this. I'd say one way to think of retirement is like a seesaw, where you have boards on one side with something called assets, and then all the boards on the other side labeled as expenses, or also known as liabilities. So on the assets side, you might have things like your 401ks. If you're lucky enough to have a pension, maybe it's a pension. 401ks, IRAs, annuities. Social Security, investment accounts that have been transitioned to retirement accounts. And then once in a while, there's also people with inheritances that uh, count as assets here. And then for those that are still working, salary, wages, self-employment, those are all the different things that fall under the side of being assets. Now, on the other side, the expenses, perhaps the liabilities, those things might include health care, you know, insurance. Out-of-pocket expenses, depending upon the the type of plan that you have. Daily living expenses, not only the mandatory or what you have to have, but also what you want to have. So that means the discretionary expenses. So the fun things that we think of in life, such as travel, leisure, entertainment. And then not so fun to think about, going back to the insurances, what about the prospect of long-term care or perhaps needing long-term care when it comes to What's going to happen to the me and the we later on in our years? So if you've made it to the age of 65, which is typically the age that we still think of as being retirement age. If you're sitting there looking at the, the, you know, you and the wife or the wife and you. One of you statistically, there's that word statistics. Mm -hmm. One of you is going to wind up in a nursing home at some point in your lives. Yeah. What's that going to cost? 95%
1: ninety five percent of people sixty five and above one or the other in a marital relationship can end up in a long term care facility, and those national averages, James you know guys usually um, don't don 't stay as long. ladies linger and the average is somewhere around two point six rounded up to three years of convalescent care and um, that can be a big bite of expenditures out of one 's budget and buckets of money, so uh, we want to at least look at it and craft a plan doesn 't mean you need to run out and get long term care insurance uh, you might might need some form of protection in that area. But uh, a plan will be your first uh, layer of protection, just knowing the what and the how. So if you've ever um, if you ever searched Google, I'm sure you have, the keywords, can I afford to retire? If you try that, you'll get so many different pop-ups and calculations and calculators and tools and toys and opinions and belief systems. You know, lions, tigers, and bears, you just got to be careful. Now, we don't believe in using the online calculator stuff. I mean, we have some some sophisticated tools to project out very well um, and analyze what you have, what your plans should look like, what considerations should be met, and so you can succeed on purpose, you know, and not happenstance. And um, it's not a widget process; it's it's an individual process. It's not always the size of your accounts either; it's more like the size of your commitment to you, your future, your your you our our group working together as a team. But we'll continue this. I mean, as we continue with our our subject today, our topic is when to call it quits, determining when you should retire, James. Well, a final thought. Sometimes
0: the most important way of looking at this is how to efficiently use your assets and use them for the specific job title or job description of what their intended purpose is. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But stay tuned, you're listening to The Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC,
1: the talk station. Welcome back to The Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown.
0: And I'm James Borth. We are an independent RIA, a registered investment advisory firm. We do it for clients and not companies. And it all does start with the plan. That means having a plan, knowing what you own, why you own it. So, whether you're seeking advice on old 401k, 403b, IRA rollover, investment planning, retirement planning, social security planning, income planning, Roth conversion analysis, NUA analysis, perhaps even for some people in service rollover, all those and more, we can help. 513 575 9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com, email address team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. and our home office is in Milford but we also have locations in Blue Ash,
1: Westchester and Florence and Greg what we live off. When to call it quits determining when you should retire? Well, we left off with some calculators, some methods. Well, here's a method, one method called the 25 times rule of thumb. That basically states that your savings are roughly 25 times larger than the amount you'll need to withdraw at your retirement. This amount coming from a well-designed portfolio within a well-crafted plan, of course. But just hypothetically, just as an example, if you were to have a projected annual expense in your first year of retirement, say it's going to cost you $90,000 in that year to be successfully retired. Well, you have to cover that with some income, right? Okay, can't live on deficits. Oh, don't even go there, right, politically and all. But subtract, just simply do this, subtract your predictable income like Social Security pension, if you have it, if you have any rental properties or other sources of monthly income, okay, take that, subtract that from the ninety thousand, and you'll get an annualized gap, okay, a gap of how much you're going to still need to uh, to make this work. So if your expenses were fifty thousand more than your income, in other words, ninety thousand minus total expenses, say that was forty thousand, leaving a fifty thousand dollar annual amount you need or your income gap. We need to solve for that with a plan through your portfolio and the proper deployment of your assets. Okay? So that fifty thousand, multiply that by twenty-five, there's that twenty-five times rule, you would get fifty thousand times twenty-five is one point two five zero million dollars. Okay, so now if you just simply took four percent of that, that gets you to fifty thousand. But you know, Wall Street, interestingly enough, no longer uses the rule of four. 4% of your nest egg equals the amount of income you can take over long periods of time. No, it's more like 2.8% now through recent studies. Now, we're still comfortable projecting in our firm with our proprietary strategies and funds and in context of our planning, we're still okay for the 4% rule. So come see us because you can get a 4% approach to this. And you can take the 25 times rule, 4% rule, and get yourself retired. That would be a, a good thing. So in that example, we would need uh, about $1.25 million, and that would assume that if you leave it more growth oriented in investing and you do not try to market time, track record invest, or lucky stock pick, you allow your plan to work and work the plan, remove emotion, re- remove micromanagement, remove the concern over the next 20 minutes, 20 days, and stay more concerned in not even 20 months, but more like the 20 years. That's the eyes on the prize that will get you where you wanna be. So we all know every situation's different. And uh, breaking this down into, You know, with a $1.25 million, well, you could apply other rules, like the rule of 100, 100 minus your age. So if you were 65, that would leave 35, 100 minus your age, okay, that would leave 35. 35% could be how much you put in market risk. 65% could be something that you use more safely, okay? More safely could be something that gives you guarantees on income to meet this income gap. With your market money, market investments being leveraged over time to hedge inflation and for some growth and having some liquidity, because at the end of the day, you need at least three primary big picture buckets. One bucket is for near-term, short-term expenses, emergencies, cash on hand. It's your liquidity bucket. Bucket number two is some part of your long-term investment dollars you set aside for the purpose of income, guaranteed or otherwise, to solve for that income gap. That's very important. And then the third one, you just consider it your long-term growth bucket. It'll be liquid. It'll be structured through. You leave it alone. You don't have near-term dependencies on it. So you can take the appropriate risk and take it, really take the appropriate risk, allow it to play through, and you'll get the reward net of all costs that's targeting this project's success of getting you the kind of growth, the kind of inflation hedging, and the kind of liquidity that produces the cash flow you need every month for the rest of your forevers. That's the critical approach, and that's what you need planning for and coaching. The right structure, the right plan, the right allocation of the right investment types by asset, by by class, fully insured, guaranteed versus market. Maybe some real estate. You know, there's there are ways to mix it all together. Again, every situation is different, as just mentioned. That was just some hypotheticals there, James. Oh yes, it's it's very important that
0: you not only have the proper risk allocation. But keep in mind, too, that if you do have multiple different accounts, and a great reason to have multiple different accounts is maybe the ownership. If you have an individual retirement, this is the weird way of saying it, arrangement, the IRA is how the IRS calls that as an individual retirement arrangement. But nevertheless, you have an individual retirement account. Now, it could be a traditional IRA. It could be a Roth IRA. And for those that are maybe working and maybe are self-employed, it could be a SEP or SEP IRA. And for others, there's also a different flavor called a simple IRA. There's also the folks in the employer-sponsored plan world who have the 401Ks, the 403Bs. There's also 457s. All of those refer to just simply some part of the Internal Revenue Code is where that particular plan is referenced. So employer-sponsored plans, if you're still working and still working for someone else where you actually call or are called an employee, and you have a W 2 wage based income. But then when you start privately investing, now privately investing, there's also accounts other than IRAs, non IRAs, non qualified accounts, non tax qualified accounts. Now, whether they are individually owned or jointly owned, or you have maybe a trust where you have the trust as the owner of the account. So those are ways and different. Things that to keep in mind when you say, Well, I have multiple different accounts. Why? It's because of the ownership structure of the account and the tax status of the accounts. Now, what Greg was referring to earlier is that for different types of accounts, maybe some of them can be more aggressively invested. Maybe some of them should be more aggressively invested than others. So if you have particularly one account that's using for current income versus you have a second account or separate account such as your your IRAs, your Roth, your traditional IRAs, but especially the Roth that are designed for future growth, those are examples of where you probably should be more aggressively invested inside of those accounts than versus the ones that you're using for current income. It's just trying to serve two masters at the same time, and that usually doesn't work out. It's not as efficient
1: as what you should otherwise be doing with your investment accounts. So with those investment accounts, you're talking about 401k, 403b, IRAs, Roth, traditional, non-IRAs, all those different accounts to invest in them and contribute to them more aggressively. And earlier, when you're still years away from retirement, maybe invest more aggressively with your risk-taking for reward. But all carefully crafted, spreading out the different buckets, different risks, different purposes, very important. And then consideration is just delaying your retirement. You know, you may want to delay, um, you know, just work a few more years, build up a little more of your savings. We see a lot of people have a lot of tax deferred money in IRAs, and then when they approach retirement, they don't have quite as much after tax immediately on hand type money, whether it's in checking savings or, or um, you know, other like short term more liquid buckets. So sometimes just working a little longer can help you get some last minute things done, on you know, new shingles on the roof, new heat and air system, fix finally that leaky basement, you know, while you still have that cash flow, save a little more intensely on your rainy day fund. Because you oftentimes will have so much in your IRA, and that's not the most tax-friendly money just to go get as needed short-term. So we want to help you start building the right buckets of money for the right purpose uh, well before your retirement. So anyway, you can always talk to your employer to make sure you're maximizing your contributions to match, to equal the match, not to exceed. We'd rather see you privately invest that into your own plan where there's greater control, greater investment selection, opportunities to invest uh, in your favor because we know the 401ks and those tax-deferred accounts through employer-sponsored plans are forced to use such things as mutual funds. A lot of the mutual funds out there just aren't in your favor. They're inefficient. They're redundant. um, They can have hidden fees, spreads, margins, and loads, and things that just are contrary to your best interest on the long-term of your investment horizon. Just some thoughts.
0: Yes, but remember this. In general, that's our recommendation is invest in your company-sponsored plan up to the employer match. And then above and beyond the employer match, that's where you start privately investing. And, yes, that's exactly where Brown comes into the equation is you come see us, you come work with us. We will help you to privately invest and hopefully to prosper when it comes to
1: your investments. That transition into the retirements. couple of thoughts there. You know, that was that was saving more aggressively. James shared with us delaying retirement kind of thrown out there. Uh, can make sense. Another strategy might be just spend less in retirement, you know, consider downsizing, smaller home, different automobiles, looking at communities around you with a lower cost of living, maybe lower cost of taxes, you know, uh, move closer to family and friends who you might visit more often at less expense because they're closer. Maybe they can help you with some things, some errands, doctor's appointments, you know, as life changes. But uh, that can affect travel extent- expenses over the course of the year. your retirement plan, including your vacation travel. Look for ways to save on trips join memberships and organizations and leverage those relationships. Cheaper lodging, you know, better airfare. Just a lot of things to consider there. Eat out less often, you know, eat at home, maybe treat yourself a couple times a week out because you can ruin a good thing if you do too much of it. So socialize with friends and family, inviting them over instead of going out to dinner. We've seen more stuff done inside the home because of COVID. Well, it's also just a good thing to do. It's friendly to your finances too. Just a final
0: thought, pay yourself first. It's your retirement. Pay yourself first. Our phone number by the office is 513 575 9654. Again, 513 575 9654. But stay tuned, you listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55 KRC, the talk station.
1: Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial
0: Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Website, Advisors.com, Email, team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford. but We also have locations
1: in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. And Greg? Well, James, some of the bad debt versus good debt discussion, okay? One of these one of these tips, if you will, or key factors is what do you do with certain amounts of debt? Uh, paying off bad debt. Well, that's, yes, very first and
0: foremost, good debt versus bad debt. It's a cost of money concept more than anything else. So the higher the rate of interest or the higher the amount of your payments are, yes, we think that you should start paying those off or have a focus on paying those off. We're not saying that you have to be debt free but nevertheless, it's still a great feeling to be debt-free. So yes, the higher your payments are when you retire, the less you'll be able to spend on other things. So we want to wipe out as much of this debt, especially the bad debt, the higher interest rates that you're paying. Wipe it out as much as possible prior to retirement. So the first types of debts that you maybe should consider paying off are those credit cards, personal loans, auto loans. Sometimes it's, it's like this why would you amortize or pay over a period of time for a depreciating asset such as a car now we're not saying always go out and pay cash because sometimes that can be a very large amount of cash expenditure to go out and just simply pay cash for the car but think twice about how much you're spending on that all at once versus what's the rate of interest over time now higher interest rates on things like your credit cards and your personal loans this is where not only they tend to have higher interest rates, but they also lack really any potential tax benefits. So if you have a mortgage, there is still at least the potential of getting a tax deduction for that mortgage. Now, once again, with the mortgage, depending upon the interest rate you're paying, that can be termed as a good debt. Not only is it helping you finance and pay for that, that piece of real estate that might be highly appreciating in value about this time, but it also typically will have a low very low rate of interest or the cost of money for that particular type of debt. So if you can play the game of arbitrage, which is to say your cost of money is something around 3 to 4%, and you can take that same dollar that you would otherwise be just simply paying off the debt with and then reinvest those dollars and earn a higher rate of interest or higher rate of return on those dollars, that's the arbitrage where you actually win by using other people's monies you're leveraging your success by doing that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it, it boils down to having a cash flow budget. What are the sources of your income? What is the source of additional income to bridge your gap between Social Security pension and what you actually need each month? So as you begin to evaluate the good debt versus bad, you're looking for debt that costs much less than, than your ability to redeploy it at a higher rate of return, as James mentioned, this, this positive arbitrage but you also need to choose it and resize it according to what fits into your monthly cash flow. So instead of taking tens of thousands of dollars to just wipe out some debt or some purchase, and now that you're in retirement, that money can't be replaced. You're not adding new money. You're not bringing in more contributions and additional savings from your paycheck because you don't have a paycheck anymore from the workplace. But that doesn't mean you can't carry some well-structured, good debt that amounts to the right monthly payment that fits your budget. And eventually, that debt will be retired and you'll still have the assets still continuing to produce the same income and your, your cash flow will bounce right up because that, that debt in particular on a monthly basis has been extinguished. So other types of um, bad debt that, and it surprises me that this is the case, but student loan debt. Believe it or not, people aged 60 and over, they make up the fastest growing segment when it comes to taking out loans for education and on average carry $20,000 or more in college debt on themselves or their children. So it's important to note that up to 15% of your Social Security payments could be garnished if you fail to make those payments on student loan and debt or fall behind in that debt. Now, we've heard, and rumor has it, that there's going to be some kind of government action by the Biden administration and Congress to do something, maybe just wipe out the first $10,000 of some debt. Uh, initially, that's been structured to certain colleges, certain groups, people groups, and it likely will expand up at some point. But you can't rely on that. You know, don't get the debt to begin with. Pay as you go or keep the debt minimal and then pay on that debt and, and extinguish what usually student loans seems to be at a higher interest rate. So watch out for that. Um, interest on different types of debts that may or may not be tax deductible. You know, some good debt will have some maybe tax deduction nature to it, like carrying a, a, two, a two and a half or three percent mortgage for the rest of your life. Make it part of your cash flow budget and laugh all the way to the bank someday when interest rates shoot up to six, seven, eight, nine percent and you're sitting on less than three or three percent. Mercy. What a unique opportunity. I know that flies in the face of traditional wisdom, but this is not a traditional time where you see such historically low cost and access to capital. Because James said it, it's really a cost of capital to cost of money uh, concept more than it is being debt or not being debt. You can budget around these things. You're the, the buying loaves of bread. That's a debt. Getting um, peanut butter and jelly to go with it. That's a debt. You're going to have these ongoing expenses. Well, you can have other debts, too, if they make sense as part of your overall plan.
0: All right. So let's talk about maybe when it comes to the income phase, would to turn on Social Security or should we turn on Social Security and Maybe at at a certain point in time, it's just a matter of when do you need to start drawing the income from this particular program. So typically, what we see go hand in glove is someone who's transitioning from working to retirement. And at that point in time, it could be as simple as, well, I need the income, so I'm going to start turning on my Social Security benefits. Now, it becomes a bit more complicated, or it can become more complicated, if you start having additional filing options. So not just for the individual work record benefit, but when you get to now having options such as spousal or perhaps for some even family benefit planning options. So, yes, it could be very simple. It could be just as, you know, one decision, which is I need the money very simply turn the benefit on. But the next part is, well, what if I have different types of retirement nest eggs to start drawing from? Should I start drawing from my retirement nest eggs first and then Social Security second? Or typically, should we do Social Security first and then retirement nest eggs second? Well, this is how we look at it. With your retirement accounts, your investment accounts, you have a beneficiary. With your Social Security account, you don't have a beneficiary. So use that one first, but then only take what you need from your investment accounts. Now, the the different filing options start with your different ages. So we're talking about things like, well, what's full retirement age? For most people right now, that full retirement age is 66. But it is transitioning so that now, if you're born after 1960, your full retirement age is 67. So for the vast majority of folks out there, your retirement age, what the government calls full retirement age, ranges somewhere between 66 and 67. Now, if you file for benefits early, you get a reduction in benefits. This applies not only to your own work record benefit, but it's also going to apply to the spousal and perhaps even survivor benefit planning options. So yes, if you're thinking already, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many choices. Yes, you're right. There's about 567 choices to consider when it comes to this potential program. Now, just putting some numbers, let's just say that you're drawing 2,000 a month at full retirement age for your monthly benefit. What's the repercussions or what happens if I file for benefits early? Well, if you file for the benefits at age 62, which is your earliest possible age, you get about a 30% reduction or haircut in what your benefit looks like. So that $2,000 a month might now only be $1,500 a month. Well, on the other side, what if I wait and then file for benefits maybe a little bit after my full retirement age? Is there such a thing as delayed retirement credits? And I'm glad you asked. The answer is yes. So if you wait all the way till age 70, you're going to get a whopping $600 extra benefit out of the program. So instead of $2,000, you're now drawing $2,600. Here's the downside instead of getting that large pizza sliced into eight slices, now you only get it sliced into six. Or if you have it where you're drawing early, you get it sliced into 12 guess what, the same size of the pie still applies. So if we all live to the average life expectancy, which is right around age 80 for the government, we all break even when it comes to the value of the retirement accounts from
1: the program known as social security. So ask yourself a few of the questions. Are, if you're still working, are you more than one year away from full retirement age? I mean, looking at how you can properly take the right social security amount at the right time, with all this that you've learned today, It just boils down to working with a qualified financial professional such as us. We can help. We can help you on the social security, income planning, financial planning, insurance, estate planning, all of it. Let's just assess where you are. Reach out. Contact us today. James? Yes. Our funder about the office,
0: 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Come in. Visit one of our investment advisors for a second opinion, a complimentary second opinion on the health of your wealth. Now, I want to thank you for listening today. On behalf of myself, James, and Greg, have a great week. And remember this, sound money, where good things are believable, achievable, and true for you.